he does not deserve Cookie Man's cookies. No. And I'm really upset about that. It was it kind of like funny though. No. It, oh. Like it does it's not played like a joke. It's no. just like Oh, it's I was like to be like, like intentionally like like crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hour of the Hundred podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is if you had to take care of the flame, what little container would you put it in? So for example, the flame like on this show is in like some weird ass rusty freaking mint canister <laughs> skull thing. But I would keep mine in a purple bedazzled little like um, AirPods case. I like nice. that idea. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And I would make my container. Like, yeah. like because I make, like, resin art, which is, like, making objects. But if I had to buy it, if I had to buy it and the consequences of capitalism wasn't a thing, you bet your ass it would be something Chanel. You know, like a little Chanel thing. Because if you make it, you have to make sure it stays closed, right? Because it needs to be like, uh, it's true. It needs to be uh, portable. So it should have like a, more like a zipper then, or or like or my thing couch. has like a magnet. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna go with a Chanel key card case that uh, closes. Okay. Yeah. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Um, my, I was gonna say that I would keep it in a little Shop B Luxe resin, uh, box, but the lid for that is not very, um, portable. Yeah, it's true. But I was gonna say that before you promote yourself, so I'm glad that you- <laughs> Oh, nice! No, I was like, someone's gotta, someone's gotta someone's do it. Someone's gotta do it! And, uh, but I'm glad you did. But other than that, I would ke- carry mine in like a little- drawstring like crystal pouch i like that idea with probably other crystals Mm -hmm. oh my god you'd be like okay uh which crystal do you need uh there's a that one do you need the amethyst uh the flame some citrine some citrine today we were to say about episode 703 of the hundred false gods so i thought this was going to be about murphy namori but it was about russell so great or well, but he's I, not even Russell. Well, in my notes, I just called him Russell the entire time. So just know that. Just know that Russell is Shade Hedda. But okay. I just call him Russell the whole time. Because okay. it's way easier to spell while I'm typing very quickly. But it's not Russell. Russell's, but it's not Russell. It's Shade Hedda. Russell in died Russell's in body. his mind space, even though you're not supposed to be able to die in your mind space. Right. So is there any chance that Russell is actually still alive? I, I don't think so. You don't know? No, because, like, we had Clark that was in the mind space, but, like, you know, there was multiple things happening at once, you know, like, that one time when Josephine was talking, but Clark was, like, moving her hand or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And we're not getting any of that. Yet. I don't know. I just want Clark to have the catharsis of murdering Russell. Yeah. You know? And I know that she's not going to get it. Yeah. But I want that for her. So we're going to do thoughts from listeners first. Um, uh, We got some... Oh, we had a Instagram DM from like several months ago that I keep keep, keep forgetting to talk about. Oh, okay. So this is from Rochelle and she is at Winter Sea Salt on Instagram. And she was saying that like, she gave me a script to scream from season one talking about hieroglyphics being carved into Jasper's skin. Okay. So Cadigan probably would have taught the grounders that language. 
season one, Lincoln's foghorn also has the symbols that look like the anomaly symbols. Ooh. <gasps> um, inside Octavia's mind space in the bunker just has symbols all over it, which we caught. She said maybe it's something that Jason's been planning since season one. It's kind of indicative of Cadigan maybe being in the anomaly, especially if there's an episode to launch a prequel from his times, maybe. Yup. I would really like to think that they plan that far in advance. Yeah. Like, I genuinely would really like to think that. So yeah. if that's the case, I would absolutely respect it. Like, and I, I hope that that's the case. Yeah. I would be way more interested if, like, that comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. I just have low expectations because the fans often create better theories than right. the show delivers on. Mm -hmm. So... But having said that, oh my god, that would be dope. It would yeah. be so good. Then we got some more SoundCloud comments from L. Lane Lott, who said, um, to me, the line is just about Hope being bitter towards Bellamy because he's the reason Octavia spent half of Hope's childhood trying to get away from her. Oh. Um, Bellamy was excluded from the trailer. It contains footage from the first four episodes, pretty much, all of which we know have zero Bellamy for reasons which were all out of Jason's hands. He wasn't in the other promotional material. Maybe there was behind the scenes stuff. Maybe Bob was simply not around to take these photos. We don't know. People make assumptions about things because they're bitter towards Jason. If there's some kind of Bellamy erasure going on, would Jason really dedicate an entire episode to the statement, we must get to Bellamy, that's the single most important thing in existence right now? I mean, we know from previous dealings with uh, Ricky Whittle especially that mm -hmm. these things actually do happen. And so I think the assumptions that Jason may have made choices depending on who Bob is as a person or what's going on, those aren't unfounded mm -hmm. because of the way that things have gone down in the past. And that doesn't mean that Ricky conducted himself in an overly good way. And it doesn't mean that Jason also conducted himself in a good way. But I, in the spirit of being diplomatic, I will say that there are not reasons to think that it's not not true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that like a quadruple negative? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we don't know the truth. Yeah, of course. But um, I don't want to dismiss things because of what this show has done in the past with some of the characters who have left. And especially, you know, even people like Paige who were like, I didn't really want to leave, but I guess they didn't know what to do with me after my male love interest died. So it's like, sure, you can have these arguments in good faith, but just know that not everyone is having this argument in good faith. They also said we got kind of uh, explained like the whole black hole thing. So they said, I suck at physics, so here goes nothing. Black holes equal a lot of mass, which means time slower, time moves slower near them because of relativity and stuff. Okay. Beta slash Skyring is really far away from the black hole relative to Sanctum and the other planets, which is what I, well, I was confused about because I yeah. thought it was supposed to be really close to it and that was the problem. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like in it. Uh, which is why the gravitational pull of the black hole is much weaker and time passes much faster there in comparison. Gotcha. And we also got an email from Katie again who also tried to help us understand the black hole stuff. Uh, she said, if one planet is closer to the center of the black hole, time would move differently compared to one that is farther away. A neat way of explaining this is the twin paradox. It's a bit complicated, but the gist of it is that one twin, let's say twin A, mm -hmm. stays in one place. The other twin, twin B, is in a spaceship that takes a round trip where he accelerates close to the speed of light. Time moves more slowly for twin B in relation to twin A. When he comes back and meets twin A, he would be older than twin A. That's why time moves differently on planet Beta than on Alpha, or probably Gamma, which may be Bardo. Yeah. Beta is closer to the event horizon, the point of no return, of the black hole, and is moving faster than other planets. Thus, time is sped up relative to a location farther away. I hope this helped. That helped enormously. I think because I didn't know, I didn't understand whether or not Sanctum was near the event horizon, because from what I understood, I thought the black hole was literally in Sanctum, like... Oh. 
a re and I didn't understand how that could work. But yeah, yeah, all of that time stuff, like, I am so about that. Thank you for explaining that in a very accessible way. I really stand that. Thank you. Yeah, because my thing was that Becca, like, if I remember correctly, next, like, last episode, Becca literally just said, because of the black hole. And I was like, elaborate. You know, it's like... <laughs> What about the black hole? Please. I don't know. Um, she continued on to talk a little bit about this episode, which I have to say was disappointing. Um, the episode, not the email. Right, yes, yeah. of course. Uh, she kind of mentioned that she really does love this show. There's a lot of things to like about it, even though there may be some things that you don't like about an episode. There are other things that you can like about the episode, which is why it's so great. Yeah, um, but she said appeal to different people. Yeah, but this episode was not good. <laughs> and she even said that. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. She said that some of the highlights that she liked was uh, Tati Gabrielle's performance during her Clark her talk with Clark on the porch. She did say that she doesn't actually see any romantic chemistry between those, and she can't really see the storyline going that way. I am inclined to agree, but that script to screen, I was like, well, I don't know what's happening. So here. what did you guys think when you saw the porch scene? Did you see any of it? Like, I don't see... This is no fault of the actors. Oh, yeah. Um, just... By the way, Sam, I know last episode I said that Sam wasn't going to watch this episode, but she was bored last night, so she did watch it with me. So <laughs> both of us have seen it. I don't think... This is no fault of the actors. Like, Tati and Eliza are both great. But I I also don't think that they have romantic chemistry. Yeah. But I do think that the writers are writing it that way. Oh, I, boy. Yeah, like, I feel like I could see them being pushed together, but I don't know if that was, like, something that the characters would have actually, like, naturally have done. Right. I think that um, Kim always wanted to write Gaia as a lesbian, and Jason doesn't want to make Bella canon, so they're killing two birds with one poorly written stone. I think that's conspiracy, but I also think you're probably right. Mm. Um, yeah, like, oh, I very much know that I'm, like, ten hat yeah, theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not correct about most things. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's such a shame, because I think if they built it up more, maybe it would have made sense, but... Right. If they don't have any romantic chemistry, there's not much more you can do. Yeah. Like, you could, you could have built this relationship over the last, like, four seasons or whatever, since... Whenever Since Gaia, Gaia showed in, up. Yeah. But, like, they, don't they really, haven't been. They haven't really interacted much as characters. Yeah. Mm -mm. Oh, that's such a shame. And she also enjoyed uh, Murphy calling out Raven and Richard Harmon's performance, but that kind of goes for every episode he's in. I'm with you there. We have to agree. Murphy um, was great. She said, I was shocked when I saw who wrote and directed this episode, veterans of the show. I have no idea what happened here. I always give seasons a second watch after they're complete, and I've rewatched the series at least 10 times, but I'm confident in saying this is the worst episode of the show so far. I really, really hope it's nothing but up from here because I can't imagine it getting worse. I have some hard evidence. You know it's a poorly written and directed episode when there are copious amounts of ADR lines in the show. I generally try to be positive and understanding of when things go awry and don't critique too harshly. But, uh, but with this one, I say flame on. Thanks for doing what you do. Still loving the podcast, Katie. Um, thank you thank for you, always Katie. being so loving and so respectful. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm not overly surprised if this episode felt clunky because Kim Shumway wrote it. And in my experience, the episodes that she writes, like she wrote, um, have, I think she wrote, have you realized the crown? Some, no, not that one. But in season three, I often found that whatever she wrote Abby, Abby was never consistent. Mm. I completely agree. A lot of people like Kim's episodes because like overall the plot is very, is usually, not this time, is usually very interesting. I mean, and like she wrote episode seven of last season. Like episode seven a good of last episode. season was yeah. fantastic. It was like one of my top rated reviews of the season. Yeah. Like I loved that episode. It was incredible. And like, but then you have episodes like the one you're talking about in season three and like this episode and like some in season four where it's just, or 
I don't know if she was on season four. So she wrote she wrote a lie guarded in season four. Right. She was not in season five though. Yeah. I would I would like, say that as a writer, I mean as a writer, we all have our flaws. Um sure. Kim's is definitely character consistency. I completely agree. She six oh seven excelled because it was mostly Clark. Mm. And, and like Kim really gets Clark. Yeah, absolutely. She like does a great job with Clark. But anybody else around Clark is a plot device when mm. Kim is writing. And I will say this isn't like Flame would be like, oh, like what are how are you qualified to say these things? Um, I have a degree in screenwriting. So I just have a lot of opinions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm not taking I'm not coming from this place of like running my mouth. I have a degree in screenwriting. So I literally know these things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one moment in this episode in particular that I was like, oh, I can tell that like I think when I was watching it with Sam. Someone said something and I literally went, who wrote this? Yeah. Why? Okay, (laughs) here's what happened, okay? So in an earlier scene, Russell says, what would you have me do? Okay. Uh All right, sure. That's a line, right? Yeah, that's a great line. Later in the episode, she has Indra say, what would you have us do? Why why do different characters have your cadence of speaking? Oh, no. Why are they using the exact same wordage? Verbiage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, like, Russell and Indra should not be saying the exact same thing. They should say the same thing, but in different ways. And, the, and that, like, mm-hmm. that bothered me a lot. Yeah, it was really weird. Um, Continuity and consistency are a big problem. Why didn't anyone catch that? I also think it, uh, while we're talking about Kim using other characters as, like, plot devices or, like, not writing characters consistently, uh, I think Raven falls victim to that, uh, especially I in this episode. Which is just sad uh I, I mean i think raven has been written in consistently for the past three seasons yes mm. but it's just really bad this episode like she's it, it's a culmination of like a continued poor writing of raven and mm-hmm. i will say like disappointing because raven was one of the best characters on this show. oh 100 yeah. she was one of my favorites after this episode i'm having a very very hard time i and i i, I just want to say and clarify because i know it sounds like we're being dicks but one all three of us have written some of us have studied this we've also had multiple like we've been in this fandom for a very long time we've interacted with kim um we have friends who actually became quite close friends with kim we know like you know more about this process and so i feel like while it's not 100 percent like our right to speak on it i feel like we're informed enough to be able to say that this writer has had inconsistent characterizations that lead to relatively weak episodes yeah and i don't think that's an unfair criticism because having spoken to kim interacted with kim and especially uh our friend claire who became friends with kim kim herself is aware of these things yeah. <laughs> so that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> um, before we move on to the actual episode, I would love to talk to you guys a little bit more about theories that I have had about like Skyring and Bardo going forward. Okay. Um, as, after listening to after re-listening to our 701 podcast, because after it goes out, I always listen to it again just to make sure that I didn't uh, miss any swears or like accidentally like leave too long of a pause or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like always an re- editor's pass. Yeah. And uh, so I thought of some more theories as I was listening to my own podcast. Kiss so me. shout out to me. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we talked about in the 701 podcast was why are the people from Bardo only showing up now? And we were like, I don't know, it's Riverdale, blah. but now I'm thinking about it. Okay. And I'm like, wait, the reason why they're only showing up now is because now they have Octavia. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not following you. Because Hope tagged Octavia uh-huh. and they came to get Octavia. Uh-huh. 
And then, so now they're coming now. They and didn't I, have a reason to go to Sanctum before that. They were just, like, fine to l- let them all just kind of live their lives right. whenever they want. And I'm thinking or that, like, like... Or they didn't even know that people were on that planet. And time moves so quickly that, like, it could have been such, a, like, quite a long time on, like, Skyring or whatever before they moved on to Bardo, in which Octavia convinced them maybe within, like, a month... If they are still there, I don't know. They probably moved right on to Bardo. But either way, she could have taken months to explain to them why she also needs Bellamy to come with her. And then they could have come back to Bellamy. But to us, that seems like seconds. Right. I'm fine with that. I think that's a great theory. So I was thinking about that. Um, And then my question was, how did they know all about them? Like when we saw them in the helmet, right? And they mentioned uh, Octavia probably told them. My, the main question that I still have, though, is why they needed to bring Echo and Gabriel to Bardo, but kill Hope on sight. Because Octavia would never tell them to do that. Right, exactly. Right? Octavia and Dioza would never tell them to do that. So my, I, like, I was just wondering, like, maybe they're doing that because they need to keep Octavia and Dioza. And if Hope was out of the picture, it would be easier or something like that. I'm not sure. Okay. But I was thinking about that as well. I think... I think I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question is just what happened to Colin, but we don't know yet, so I'm just going to keep that on my list of questions. Okay. Um, and then I realized that Hope must have left Skyring at 20. Why? Because she says she was there for 20 years. Yeah. But she that at that point she must have left. She must have gone to Bardo because in the amount of time that like Dioza has been inside the anomaly, it's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years on Skyring. So Hope, like, within, like, two days on Sanctum, Hope's entire life would have happened. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So, like, at some point when she became 20, Dev stayed behind, obviously, because he's dead on Skyring, mm-hmm. but she must have moved on. And who's to say that she is 20 or if she's been off Skyring for several years as well, she could be older. That's a good point. Yeah, I think she might yeah. be, like, mid-20s. Yeah. Um, and then how does Orlando, it's been hundreds of years on Skyring, how does Orlando know who Hope is if she's been gone for hundreds of years? Like, is she some sort of, like, god on Bardo or something? Like, I don't know. I think she's probably a constant, like, known target. Hope? Yeah. Why does he call the baby doll Hope then? Like, I just want, I just- To be creepy. I'm just trying to think of, like, reasons as to why that is happening. And I'm sure that they will be answered because I have- I have more hope. Eh. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to laugh at it every single time. I have more hope about that other storyline than anything that's happening on Sanctum. Yeah. Just from like hearing about the show and then like seeing tweets and stuff, like that storyline is so interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, I want a whole show about this. So um, I cut my notes into two things. Um, all the stuff about Clark and everything. I just basically called it Clark and Raven. More things are happening, but um, I, the Clark stuff um, is... The Raven stuff, even though it's very, very upsetting, mm-hmm. was more interesting than the Clark stuff, in my opinion. So that's why we're going to start with the Clark stuff. Okay, I agree. Uh, okay, so feel free to interrupt me whenever you would like to. I always do. Great. Mm-hmm. Just in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. So... Clark and Gaia are outside and talk about Clark's parents and the flame. Clark feels really bad about messing up Russell last night, but I don't feel bad about it. (laughs) Once he's dead, we can all start over, which is another thing that we hear every single season. Um, But Maddie can't because Wong Cruz still calls her Hedda. Clark is ready to bury Abby's ring, which is actually Jake's ring. Yeah. But she keeps saying it's it's Abby's ring. It's not. Gaia is also ready to bury the flame in its cute little skull container. Ah. So they do and they cry and we will never hear about Abby again. No, we won't. 
I mean, Jackson mentions her a couple times this episode, but after that, no. Uh, Indra shows up to tell them it's time to go. Okay. Um, Russell, who's back in the worship room, is looking through plans or blueprints or something. He feels his face because, you know, he hasn't had one in forever, so he's oh, just right. kind of like he's touching. he's a solid person. For right, one. he's like touching his face. Um, that's when our team show up, and apparently Russell has already spoken to the prime heads. <laughs> I didn't understand the reason for keeping in that line until later. Okay. So I'll talk about that then. Oh, okay. I thought but at first I thought, that. yeah, why are we so, like, why? Who cares? Kay. You know, because it has no meaning. But sure. then I realized it did Kay. later. They tell him that they'll let him choose how he dies. They'll assume that he will want it to go quick, but he doesn't. He wants to burn on the pyre so people will feel his death. What a cool guy. Okay, sure. Bye. So. Sure. That's that full scene. So the power has now gone out, which is relevant to the other storyline. And the children of Gabriel are still shouting death to primes. Um, there was not enough Nelson content in this episode. If I'm going to be on Sanctum, you got to tell me more about Nelson. You made him interesting in 701 and now you've taken him away. Stop. (laughs) So Trey and this new other girl whose name is Alyssa, she's also a like prime head. Edwards? I know. They sit in the tavern and they tell Blythan and Cookie Man that they should die because they killed Priya. Wait, who tells them that? Trey and Alyssa. Oh, that's rude. They say you should die because you killed Priya. And Blythen and Cookie Man are like, we did it so that we could have justice for Delilah because they spent their whole lives thinking that Delilah was like inside Priya's mind and they were just like hanging out when it turned out that Delilah was full on dead, right? Exactly. So they killed Priya. Um, Miller and Jackson are also there at another table and Jackson feels bad because he looked for, he's looking forward to Russell's execution. And <laughs> he's like, am I still a good doctor? He's like, he's he like, really says that. Yeah. He's oh. like, Miller, like you're, you would be chill with it because you're a soldier, obviously, but I'm a doctor. And Miller's like, huh? But they still hold hands. So I guess thanks for the reminder that they're together. Bye. Like, <laughs> is it bad that, um. I feel like I personally am a bigger Abby stan than Jackson, and I'm not mad at Murphy, so I think he should stop being mad at Murphy. Yeah. Uh, that's not bad. That's just accurate. Mm. So um, Trey and Alyssa keep talking about how they need to save Russell. Alyssa doesn't want to do it through violence. Jordan approaches, and they clearly don't trust him anymore. Clark's fault. Totally okay. Clark's fault. Yeah. Alyssa tells Jordan about the Faithful's plan, and Jordan says he'll go tell Russell to tell them not to do it. So Jordan says, I'm going to go tell Russell... To tell his people not to do it because then they'll definitely listen if Russell tells them not to do it. I don't think this is a good plan. Okay. So Jordan goes to see Russell and Russell is Shade Hedda. Just yeah, so reminder he's that, Russell. Reminder that every time I say Russell, it's about, it's he's actually Shade Hedda. So Rus- Jordan goes to see Russell and Russell has completely changed his tune. He no longer wants to die. My thing is that like, what? This happened to Clark last season where she was like inside her own brain and something had completely changed and she can't recognize that in another person. I just think that's kind of strange. Um, okay. So oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah. So I have a quick question. Okay. Was Russell the one who said I want to die by fire or was that Shade Hedda who said I want to die by fire? Russell is gone. So Shade Hedda was the one who said that. Yeah. Yeah. Why would he change his mind then? He says he wants to die by fire. He wants the, his people to like riot. Like, he has a plan that you'll see later. But why would he change his mind? Change his mind from what? Because he's always, he's like, I want to die, I don't want to die, I want to die by fire. Which change, which mind change do you mean? The last one. The well, you just said he, he doesn't want to die anymore, he's changed his tune. Yeah. Like, why, why, why did he change his tune? change his tune? Because now he's Shade Hedda and not Russell. Because Russell's the one who wanted to die in 701, then Shade Hedda killed Russell, and now Shade Hedda's like, don't kill me. Okay, that's literally what I asked, but then you no. told me that it was Russell who asked to die by fire. Or the Shade Hedda who asked to die by fire. Yeah. Yeah. No. So Brittany's saying, because Russell, for God's sake. Honestly, we don't need any of this in the podcast. No. 
No, there are other people who might be confused. Okay, so no, Russell. No, no, no. Brittany is saying, because you said Russell chose to die by fire to, like, or prime. Shane Hedda chose to die by fire because he wants to start a riot. Yeah. And then when Jordan comes in, he doesn't want to die anymore. Brittany's asking why that changed. I don't know. <laughs> Did I accidentally find a plot hole? Yes. I, like, so one of our listeners figured ba- out. Basically, yeah. So basically, Russell says, I want to die by fire. He says this to Clark and Indra and whoever else is there. He says, In I this want- episode. Yes. In this episode. Yes. He says, I want to die by fire because I want everybody to feel my death. Gotcha. Okay, here, I'm just going to tell you the twist at the end of the episode so that all of this can make sense Thank to you, you, okay? Great. So, at the end of the episode, it turns out that this, everything has been Russell's plan the entire time, and Alyssa comes in after all this crap has happened, and she's like, your plan totally worked, Jordan is a piece of crap, and he totally fell for everything that you wanted him to do. Okay, so he's been in manip- so... So we have that one line in an earlier scene where they're like, we heard that your people have already been in here to talk to you. And I was like, what's the point of this? And it turns out it's because he was telling them his plan, which was, I want to die by fire and we'll all start a riot so that like, you know, does that make sense? Uh, Yes. So then my next question is, was it his plan the entire time to change his mind to try and confuse people? I think yes, for sure. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So- he doesn't want to die anymore. Jordan doesn't like how Russell's legacy is death and more death. Jordan, do you know what show you're on? <laughs> also, of all the people to defend. Yeah. He wants Russell to tell his followers to stop fighting, but he doesn't know if Clark will let him talk to his followers and maybe if Jordan asked nicely. And Jordan said, I'm not the one asking. My father's son is. And I said... I'm not the one asking. My father's son, who is me, is the one who is asking. Therefore, I am the one asking. So the first time I watched it, I was like, what are you even talking about? It's sadder than that. But here's what he's saying. I finally realized I'm not the one asking. My father's son is. Means I am going to manipulate my dad's friends who loved and cared for him like family into doing what I want because it's what Monty would have wanted. And they can see Monty in me. Okay, okay, okay. So I, uh, I figured this out before you even said it. So then my question is, yeah. do you think he genuinely means to manipulate them? Or do you think it's him saying, I'm going to live up to my father's legacy and ask for lenience because this is what Monty would want? I think that the way that the line was delivered, I think that the way the line is written is malicious. Malicious. Really? I don't know if Jordan meant for that. Like he doesn't, the rest of like when he goes to ask, he is very sincere. Okay. But the way that that is written, I'm not the one asking. I'm not asking. My father's son is, makes it sound like I'm going to guilt trip my dad's friends. You know what I mean? I'm also wondering if it's not necessarily like an intention to guilt trip or if they, or if he's like conscience, consciously saying that Jordan isn't a person to Clark and all of her friends. He's just Monty's son. Mm-hmm. So like Jordan's opinion doesn't matter, but it, Monty's does, right? Or something. I, I think, don't know. I think given the amount of things that we threw out, you can interpret it a whole bunch of ways. Yeah. I want to know like what like our audience thinks because this is a really interesting like discussion about who Jordan is. Because, yeah. You know, despite the fact that he's been around for what now a season, a season, and, a season, and yeah, then... we don't really know who Jordan is. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on what you think of Jordan and your interpretation of his, of his motives. I'm currently having a hard time with him. I also have had a hard time with Jordan just because I feel like he doesn't have a personality and the personality that they've shown us is either inconsistent or just 
annoying. Mm-hmm. I like. I I feel bad saying that, but he's really annoying. Yeah. It he yeah. They didn't give him a personality. They're using him as a prop, and yeah. it's really annoying. Like I thought he was gonna be so cool and yeah. like be friends with Maddie and be like, yeah, yeah, we're like we're like the next generation, you know, like we're Degrassi, the next generation. <laughs> I and I was also hoping like hoping that maybe they could have taken some notes that people had last season, which was, hey, you're bringing up Monty a lot. Consider talking about Harper. And this episode, again, he's just like, my dad, my dad, my dad. My dad wanted peace. Who else wanted peace? Harper, who was standing right beside him the whole time. Like, did he have a mom? Yes. Can you elaborate? Remember her. Yeah. So after some stuff happens in the other storyline, Clark, Miller, Jackson, and Indra are on the palace steps. Jordan comes up to them to be annoying. (laughs) Uh, The believers are going to plan an attack and they don't have anyone to stop them. He says they don't have anyone to stop him because Wong crew has now left them. And that happened in the other storyline. So we'll talk about that one. I mean, I can't blame any of them. He says they should let Russell talk to his people and they say no. He basically just talks about Monty and makes everybody feel bad. Okay. Jackson still wants Russell to die for for killing Abby. And oh my god. And Jordan says, "Is that your medical opinion?" <laughs> which like you think which the way the, which sounds like it should be funny, but it's not delivered in a comedic way. Wait, okay, so hang on. Mm-hmm. So Jackson is going to punish at least he's rightly punishing the right person. Right. But why is Jackson the one taking up the crusade on Abby's behalf and not her own daughter? Well, you know, because Clark is too important to care. About Abby yeah. and has to do other plot things because of plot reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jackson, Jackson never has anything to do. Jackson doesn't have anything to do except say Abby's name, mm-hmm. even in death. Yeah. So that's his <laughs> only purpose as a character. Like, first of all, I'll take on that role. Yeah. Like, I'll do that for you. <laughs> it's fine. I'm happy to do it. I'm. I guess I'm just puzzled. Like, fine. I'm willing to see how it plays out because I like the moral complexity of Jackson. I just hope that they actually acknowledge mm-hmm. it. Instead of him being complicit in not Juan Hedda, Blood Reina's like reign, and then that just goes com- entirely unexamined. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Okay, your line is, "I want Russell to die for killing Abby," and I will say how Jordan said his okay. line that seems like it was supposed to be comedic. Okay, okay, I want Russell to die for killing Abby. Is that your medical opinion? And now you'll say it again, and I'll say it the way that I think would be funny. I want Russell to die for killing Abby. Is that your medical opinion? <laughs> And here's I the wish thing. I could have seen what your eyebrows did. And here's <laughs> the thing, though. Both of them would be in character, I think. Yeah. So it's like, I just wonder if the director, like, stomped on that or because he's supposed to be so genuine and sincere or, like, I'm not sure, but. I would love for Jordan to have a little bit of sass because it would give him, like, yeah. a little bit of personality, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, Harper, he's got some There would be Harper. Them. There like, would be Harper. Harper and Monty were both. Very lo- sassy. Like, yeah. they were little shits, you yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? Like. They, they were delinquents. They, they like, smarted off at, like, anybody. And, like, Jordan's upset, so, like, why not shade Jackson a little bit? Right. I don't know. Like, did they just never do that in front of their child, am I, I supposed right. to assume? Like, I don't think so. Like, oh, they were like, bullsh- You know that they would have, like, snapped at each other at some point, because they're the only people each other saw for the last 50 years of their lives. By the way, while we're recording, we just got uh, an email back from Ray, who said that she hasn't watched the show, but she's listening to our podcast and found out that her favorite character died. And so she wanted to get back to us to tell us which character it was. Yeah. We were wondering. It was Abby. Oh, I'm so sorry. We can relate. She was our favorite character too. Sorry about that. Literally, 
there was no one on that shore that I loved, show that I loved more than Abby. Same. So we're with you. We feel your pain and we are also still angry about it. So yeah, he basically just talks about Monty. Yeah, is that your medical opinion? Unfortunately, it's not delivered as a joke. Anyway, they're like, yeah, okay, fine. Okay. So Indra says that if Russell goes off the rails on in his speech or whatever, she'll just kill him herself. I respect There's no one I respect more than Indra. So great. Exactly. Um, everyone gets ready for Russell's speech. Trey tells Nelson. You're with me so far. Trey tells Nelson. I'm trying so hard not to say it. Oh, I'm just trying to make sure you know which characters are which. Yes. Okay. Trey tells Nelson that he doesn't deserve to hear Russell's words. Nelson says it'll be the last words they hear from him, so pay attention. Okay. So, uh, oh, can we ship this as well? Uh, yeah, I'm down. Sure. It's very enemies. They're, well, they're, they're at enemies right now, so what's next? I would like to know. Okay. Clark tells Russell not to mess up because Indra will kill him. He says it's fine and he won't do anything bad because they all want peas. Uh, I'm gonna call Bull on that one. So Russell goes up and says that he's totally chill with dying as like just so that Sanctum can heal. So, okay. So please don't take revenge, all of my follower people, because either we live together or we die (laughs) apart. Oh my (laughs) god. (laughs) We literally paused watching this episode last night when that happened to scream for about a minute. Robin, I'm so sorry that they did that to you. Live together, die apart. It's like, die alone! It's live together, die alone! If you're gonna reference loss, just do it! But if we can't live together, we're gonna die alone. Like, it's not even, like, it's, it's, it's such a clear ripoff and, like, not even done well. Robin, I am so sorry because I'm sure, as all of you know, Lost is Robin's favorite show in the entire world. And that is such an iconic Lost phrase. And all of these writers have talked about how much they love Lost. So you know that that was a Lost reference, but they didn't get it right. Which would you prefer? I don't think they meant to get it right, though. Okay. Like, I know it's meant to be an homage, obviously. Obviously. But but I don't think she meant to say alone and just, like, forgot the word. Like, she would have looked it up if she was trying to make it exact. Okay. And she probably knows what it is because it literally is said, like, 15 billion times on the show. Right. It's said so often that... One of my favorite lines of all time was Rose saying, if you say that to me again, I'm going to smack you. Yeah. She says, if you would like an exact I quote. I would love an exact quote. If you say live together, die alone to me, Jack, I'm going to punch you in the face. Oh, God. Mwah. Yeah. Then we should wait for them here. You go no. on. I- no one gets left behind. If you say live together, die alone to me, Jack, I'm going to punch you in your face. Fair enough, Rose. Fair enough. Stan Rose, one of my absolute favorite lines. So now we get a new character who is one of the another one of the believers. Wait, another one? Yeah, his name is Tobin. Okay. And he's he's another one of the believers. He comes forward and shoots Russell in the arm, calling him a false god. In the arm. Right. Who's that supposed to help? Well, it that's what Shade had his plan was. (gasps) Ah, of course, not to die. Yeah, and so the other Sanctumites kick him to death. Not Russell, Tobin. Oh, okay, so Tobin didn't last long. Yeah. Okay. So Jackson took a Hippocratic Oath, so he takes Russell away to heal him. (laughs) And Indra's like, okay, well now he can't die because he's going to become a martyr. I was just going to say, that was his plan the entire time, wasn't it? So now they they can't kill him now. Honestly, it's kind of a genius plan. Yeah. He's made himself completely unkillable. Yeah. So back at the house, Clark joins Gaia outside. Clark says that Maddie is happy to not have to pretend to be the commander anymore. Um, because in the other storyline, Gaia told everybody that the commander 
wasn't actually a thing anymore, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we just shut down the entire grounder belief system. Right. Which well, is why they don't have Wonker anymore, which is why they don't have anybody to stop the riots, which is why they allowed Russell to talk to his followers. I can't tell you how glad I am that Wonker and all of that crap is done. Yeah. Um, Gaia talks about how she was so young and angry when she became a flamekeeper, and now she doesn't know who she is anymore. Clark feels sad because no matter what they do, it always ends the same, and she doesn't know how to do- how to do good anymore, and she doesn't want anyone else to die. Um, this, I think, could potentially be another Lost reference, um, but it's more- Subtle? Subtle and, like, buried in there a little bit, because they already had me on the Live Together Die Apart, <laughs> which- Die apart. Is genuinely painful for me to say. Um, but- Basically, there's this scene in the season five finale in which they talk about humanity and how it's broken, right? Yeah. So we have one character who is convinced that humanity is broken and nothing will ever be good. Another character that has hope that, um, that you know, there's good in people. Mm -hmm. So one character says, it always ends the same, which is basically exactly what Clark says. It always ends the same. They come, they fight, they destroy, they corrupt. Okay. It always ends the same. Okay. And the other character says, it only ends once. Oh, that's right. Anything that happens before that is just progress, which feels like that's just what this conversation is. Okay. You're trying to prove me wrong, aren't you? You are wrong. Am I? They come, fight, they destroy, they corrupt. It always ends the same. It only ends once. Anything that happens before that is just progress. Um, I don't know if that was, like, specifically what they were trying to do, but it definitely had notes of that. Well, it's the classic sci-fi conversation, right? Yeah. Like, is humanity worth saving? Right. Um, so in the hospital wing, it's just like the hospital thing, but I called it the hospital wing because- I like that. That's it's, like- It's more fun. It's just how I, how I make it make sense in my head. Um, Jackson fixes up Russell. Jackson asks if Russell even cares about the people that he killed. And Russell says, and I quote, my list of regrets is long. So doesn't answer the question because he's not Russell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically that's it. That's all that he can say until they get interrupted. It's crazy that the show chose to take away, like, absolution or catharsis for all of these characters by killing Russell. Yeah. And I know that it was, now Now you can really see it was intentional mm -hmm. because they love to torture these characters as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But it just sucks because I feel like the emotional catharsis for the audience would be so good. Mm -hmm. You know, if, like, if... Even if Russell didn't die, even if Clark chose at the last moment not to kill him and to give him a reprieve and say that she's going to, like, rise above it, seeing someone suffer for killing someone that was so beloved to so many people, like, that's good writing. Needlessly torturing these people and thus making these emotion these moments emotionally empty just kind of feels bad, man. Just feels bad. Okay. So hollow. Um, Indra interrupts and Russell says that he knows they don't have the guards to stop a riot if he dies. Okay. The believers no longer have faith in Jordan, but he says that Alyssa was helpful in stopping the attack. So, because, like, Jordan said that Alyssa was helpful because she's the one who was like, they're going to be violent, I don't want it. But it turns out that was all just Shade had his plan the entire time. Oh, God. Was for Alyssa to say that and then, then be allowed back into the room. So they let Alyssa in and she revealed that this was Russell's plan all along. He knew exactly what Jordan would do and Tobin was proud to die so that Russell could live. Even though it's not Russell. I thought at first, when I first watched this scene, I thought she knew that he was Shade Hedda and she's just evil, but she doesn't because she says like, hallowed be your name or whatever. Yeah. So he's still, he's making people die for him as if he's Russell, but he isn't. Okay, well, that makes sense. You want to leverage that as long as possible when you're the bad guy. She also brought him in a cookie. So the, the episode ends with him evilly eating a cookie. <laughs> I have no comment on that at this time. 
he does not deserve Cookie Man's cookies. No. And I'm really upset about that. It wasn't kind of like funny though. No. It, oh. Like it does it's not played like a joke. It's no. just like Oh, it's I was like to be like, like intentionally like like crunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. No, it's not like it's not like that at all. It's like yeah, it's literally just like hum yum yum. I am thinking it it's also like, evil. It's like, oh boy, my plan sure worked out. Crunch. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what would have been great instead? Mm. An apple. Mm. Yeah. You could menacingly eat an apple and I would buy it. Right. But they did it on Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that one. That one. That's menacing as heck. That yeah. Was. That's it. That's that storyline. Okay. So right. overall, that was not your favorite storyline. Uh, it was... I once again watched the episode with Sam and I was like, and half the episode was lost on me. And I only understood what was happening during the entire episode after watching it today on Netflix with subtitles. And I don't think that that's how, like, you you shouldn't have to watch it twice to understand what's happening. No. Well, unless it's and Westworld. Like, we, yeah. we kept turning the volume up. The sound mixing is terrible. Like, it's always been kind of okay, but like, this episode and the one before, like, I, I can't understand half the characters. Like, we have to keep turning up the volume so that we can hear what's going on, but we still can't hear what's going on because whatever background noise is supposed to be there for this scene. Do you think that's the broadcast? Going over the... It might be. It could Maybe. be. The, it could be the broadcast. Did you watch it again on Netflix? I did, but I was watching it with subtitles, so I have no idea oh, if okay. I could have not heard it okay. worse or not. But, but, but another thing is that, like, the science that... Raven spouts this episode usually like she would be like science 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 and then they'd be like um explain it in English Raven and then she would and then I'd be like oh I get it but she just like didn't and so half the time I was like okay and just like guessing what they were supposed to do based on what they did do you know what I mean like Raven would be like this is the goal and I'd be like I don't know what that means and then they would do something and I'd be like oh so that was the goal you know what I mean right so it, 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 that's a hard line to walk because if you ask for an explanation too, obviously, yeah. then we'll dunk on that too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Sam, when you were watching, did you understand what was happening? No. Like, we're, we're going to get more into the Raven plot in a minute and like all of the science that goes down with that. But like, it, it introduces some like problem on Sanctum. That we've never that heard is of scientific before. that we've never heard of before that like wasn't a thread in the previous season at all and like it's it's just a problem that comes out of nowhere that like is the world gonna kills end? at least three people and Maybe. I'm just like why mm-hmm. it's about a nuclear reactor oh my god <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna just, throw myself off the patio I'm just like so did they did they not think that they got to explore nuclear reactors enough in season four and they just put one. I'm so done. Uh, under Sanctum. Like, I, I really don't understand the point of the plot we're about to discuss. Okay, I don't okay. understand what narrative purpose okay. it serves. answer me this. Does it end in this episode? Yes. Okay. As f- this but, well, be- as far as we can tell. Yeah, but right. here's my thing, here's my thing about that. And I don't have very much, um... I don't have a lot of experience playing D&D. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a point that I made to Sam when we were yeah. watching. So I don't have a lot of experience playing D&D. I'm playing for the very first time on a Star Trek D&D with Brittany and Sam and some of our other friends. Um, even though I don't know anything about Star Trek, just showing up. That's all. Um, and basically our DM has us on this like four year long voyage, right? 
And last week when we were playing, we had this thing in which we just went to a certain planet for like one episode and it was like an arc for this one episode. And then like, just for like this one, um, like meeting. Yeah. Yeah. This one meeting that we were doing for two hours every Wednesday or whatever. Um, we would, we went down to this one planet. We did this arc for this one planet and then we left the planet and we are not going back to the planet. We are driving away from the planet. We're continuing on our voyage. You know what I mean? A classic Star Trek episode in which the plot is contained within the entire episode and it's episodic. And that's kind of what this felt like because like we get introduced to the problem Uh and then the problem is fixed by the end of the episode and we're not going to talk about it anymore. You know what I mean? And so like on Star Trek, like a show that was happening forever ago, that makes sense, and that's the kind of show that it was. Yeah, it's like not then, serialized storytelling. Like the point was to have like mm-hmm. episodes you could watch it out of order. Yeah, and so then they give us Picard, and they're like, "That's not the kind of storytelling we're living in right now." Let us do this 10 episode series in which like, it's a very, very, you know, you have to watch every episode for it to make sense. And we were like, we were like, dope. Thanks for telling us. We'll watch it that way. Yeah. Which is how, um, television is right now and how the hundred is. And so the fact that this happened, I was like, I don't, so in the long run, what was the point of this? See, this was, this was my same criticism that I had with season four, which is why I didn't like it was that instead of having that overarching thing, it was tons of little problems contained within the episodes Mm -hmm. where you would try and solve a problem, run into a brick wall, and then end up solving it by the end of the episode and boom, done. Yeah. And that's why I didn't like season four because it was like you were just killing time waiting for the big apocalypse to come. And in the meantime, you had to watch all this irrelevant crap. It's like like episodes four through like seven or whatever of, or four through even nine honestly, of season four, we're just like, let's come up with some terrible plot that isn't going to get us what we want until we find that bunker. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And the rest of it was just like, ugh. And this is just, I don't, I don't know if it's going to come back somehow and like be relevant. Thank you, crime. <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's ambient. You guys are in downtown Vancouver, right? Hey, this is where the show was filmed. Ambiance. Not downtown. Well, the city of life. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... It doesn't make any sense to me. It's weird. It it just seems like another like one-off plot device mm-hmm. built to make Raven like question her morals morality and like go even further into like not necessarily being a good person who can sit on a high horse, which was like Raven the Raven from the first four seasons was not a person who sat on a high horse. If you ask me, she got her hands dirty and like owned her crap and like demanded what she deserved. And season like five through seven, Raven is just like, hi, I will sit on my high horse and tell you that you're a bad person, but I will also order you to your death. Right. And I'm like, huh? My thing was like, before I watched the episode, I went on Twitter and I saw everybody being like, Murphy is trash. Murphy sucks. Why would Murphy do this? I, wa- I was like, oh no, what are they going to do to my guy? And then I watched the episode and I was like, excuse me? Every single thing, in my opinion, that Murphy did was completely valid. And I totally like, I, I think that he did more than he should have done. To be honestly, honest, Raven was mean, 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 horrible, 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 like terrible to him the whole episode. That was Raven the entirety of season six. Like her just beating on Abby. Like, I think I've said this before. And, like, I would have understood Raven coming at Abby for, like, several reasons. Like, she had she had reason to be angry with Abby for 
doing something terrible to her in 100%. season five. Like, that's 100% valid. But Raven acting like she's never done a single thing wrong and, like, she is the morality police doesn't make sense to me because, like, Raven was complicit in, like, murdering grounders. Like, Raven Raven helped. wanted Clark to assassinate Lexa. Raven wanted Clark to assassinate Lexa. Raven, like... Brought the bomb to that bridge. Brought the bomb to the bridge. Built she, the bomb! She built the, like, thing that reversed the air in Mount Weather that mm-hmm. killed everyone in Mount Weather. Yep. Like, she, she also has blood on her hands. And, like, she... I would have understood the way that she's treating Murphy now and the way she treated Abby in season six if she came at it from a place, hey, we've all done really crappy shit during this show. Like, we've all been terrible, myself included, but my, like, Monty told us to do better here and we better damn well do better here. And that's not what she's doing. She's being like, you all suck. And I'm the only one that has ever, like, made the right decision. And I'm like, that's not who Raven is. And and once again, like, our whole thing is to care about every single character. Like, um, every, like every character is someone's favorite character. And so if you are loving, like, if Raven is your favorite character, we are not bashing Raven. We're bashing no. how Raven is being written because that's not the Raven that we all know and love. Exactly. No, Raven was, like, my third favorite character. Yeah, she was, she was up there for me, too. And now it's like, sh- but it's like I, I at all points or at all times want to emphasize that it's never the character that we're criticizing it's mm-hmm. always the writing and the and the consistency of that writing absolutely like um yeah yeah so before we get into what actually happens in this episode I just want to tell you a little bit about patreon so patreon is <laughs> I'm like please pay us to be mean to your characters <laughs> Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators if we are some of your favorite creators and also reminder that um, we have more podcasts than just this show we have four other shows for Star Trek Stranger Things Lost and Riverdale and I'm not mean on those yeah (laughs) Um, if you you like us uh, our donations start at one dollar a month and you get early access to not just this podcast but every single podcast that that we post um stranger things and lost go up a week before uh the podcast goes to the public um and if you help us five dollars or more a month you get ten percent off at shopbelux.com which is me and britney's small business britney makes resin art like she said before and i make fandom embroideries i now have six um hundred uh designs up clark bellamy raven Murphy, Octavia, and Dioza, and Monty and Jasper are coming soon. Um, and so check that out if you like. And even if you don't have the $5 a month to spare, go ahead and check out shopbelux.com anyway. And um, that's another way that you can help us uh, monetarily. But if you can't help us out at all, then totally fine. That's totally okay. Stuff is hard. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. And even if you are helping us out on Patreon, we would love your help to recommend us to a friend because, um, uh, I want that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, get ready for a lot of science that I tried to simplify as much as possible. I'm excited because I really like Techno Babble. Okay. I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I love Techno Babble. I took a lot of it out just to make it make sense to myself. I hope that's okay. No, that's fine. I just, I'm excited to figure out what it is. Okay. All right. So apparently there is this like place under Riker's shop. I have to stop you right here. Okay. I remembered what I was going to say before. Okay. There is no way they introduced a nuclear thing in this and it won't come back later. Okay. Because this is the hundred. So odds are this thing will be a threat later to wiping out the planet or to destroying the anomaly. Thank you. Okay. So it's under Riker's shop. It has radiation in it. Okay. It's basically like, okay, so you know in season two of Lost when they have to press the button every 108 minutes, 
or else the radiation or uh, the EMP pulls in in lost its electromagnetism. Yes, um, and it will explode if you don't like stop it. My stupid ass just said EMP pulls. Yeah, the you know the, the electromagnetic piece. pulse pulls. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, that's what's happening is they are like there's radiation and they're stop they're trying to stop the radiation. Right. Of course. Yes. It's always radiation. Okay, so they're trying to keep it under control, like, you know, every season. Yeah, it's not a season of the 100 unless radiation is involved, yes. So we have James, who is Mr. Sky Crew Wan Crew. Okay. Who? who? Have we seen him before? Many times, yes. He, um, you know... Oh, is he the one who beat up on Octavia? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, he's working there, also with this other guy who is from Sanctum, maybe? This girl shows up in a dress because she's a girl. Of course. Right. The guys who are working there are, like, in armor or, like, regular clothes or something, but like she's in a dress. They're literally wearing armor. Yeah, but she's in a dress because <laughs> she's, she's a girl. This cotton yeah. dress with, okay, yeah. and, like, Wait, flip-flops. Is it dangerous for her to be in it? Yes. It looks like she should be wearing something like other than a dress. Like, she enters a thing that has a radiation warning on it. Like, you should- And it's and it's not like she's just coming to visit them. Like, she's literally like, I'll take over for you. Like, she's going to she's work like, in like, this, this dress. Like, this is her shift. Yeah. Well, um, she's clearly dying, right? Oh. Yep. Okay, because sure. she was wearing the cotton dress. Right. Yeah. Uh, her name is Cora. Um, she tells the other guy that she can take over early, and let me just say she does not look dressed for that. Okay. Like I said. Either way, she do be making out with James as soon as that guy goes. Okay, yep. so that's why she showed up in a dress. Must be. So James says that he's been stalling all day and could actually fix this power problem in five minutes, but he wanted to make out with her, so thanks to James for endangering us all. Okay, question. So what exactly is the power problem? Okay, I'll try to explain this as much as I understand it. So there's a reactor. They call it the core, okay? And it has all the radiation. Gotcha. So there are these little, like, levers or, like, power rods or something mm -hmm. that are go that go into the core. And yeah, it's yeah. like, they need to be at a certain level so that the temperature is right. Right. Because if the temperature gets too much, then the radiation, like, blows everywhere and everyone dies. Yeah, a nuclear reactor can't be too hot or too cold. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be really, really cold, right? I guess so. Smart people, say. let me know. So they have these, like, coolant pipes that go to there so that it stays cold. Right, okay. I've seen Chernobyl. I know these things. So I guess, I'm not sure how the power went out, but I guess, like, it got too hot so the power went out. Okay. So either way, he says, I could have fixed it in five minutes, but I guess he was stalling so that he could make out with her for her shift. So maybe it's his fault. So, okay. Um, okay. So romance, once again. Yeah. Is bad. And they talk about how the supply is low and how Raven told them to wait to see if the supply evens out. The power supply. Yeah, I guess so. So now it's like, is it Raven's fault now? Who's to say? So they're like, whatever, let's go against Raven. Um, Raven isn't a nuclear physicist. Yeah. So they're like, we're going to go against She's Raven because we just want to make out. You know that the she is the only scientist... Who has ever existed on this yeah. show. Basically, they're Trina and Pascal. Just kidding. They do mention Sinclair for like two They minutes. do. They do. What? Yeah. Okay, wait. Sorry, I have a question. Uh -huh. Why was this job given to Raven? What job? Like the job of being like their supervisor for some reason? Yes. Because I guess she's the only freaking scientist. Like I have, I don't know why she's... Like James is clearly older than her. So like I don't know why Raven's okay. in charge. Apparently was... it's because she's like smarter than every... Than like God. I mean, yeah. that's T. She is. But like... I guess my next question is, where is, was Riker the person who did it before and because he's dead, this job fell to someone else? Sure. Let's say that because it is under his shop. 
So that makes sense. So sure. there's no other experts on Sanctum except for Raven, who is not a nuclear physicist, but can build things. And is also not familiar with Sanctum technology. However, Priya, like, um, Cora says that Priya never let us go in here. So I guess it's probably a Priya Riker thing because I think Priya lived with Riker. Well, well, she was Priya was his mom. Yeah. Well, Priya, but Priya lived in the palace, right? And Riker's like, I don't want to live in the palace because I'm edgy, right? Mm. And so <laughs> I guess like Priya went there to like work on it with Riker because Priya and Riker were like the engineers, right? Mm-hmm. So she said Priya never let us in here. Um, so clearly this was like Priya and Riker's thing. Okay. Okay. So there's there's basis because those characters were scientists. Yeah. Sure. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Okay. So they go against her because they just want to make out. And so they're like, let's just raise one of the rods a little bit so that we get more power, I guess. Um, but it's broken. It won't raise by itself. So they have to go and do it manually. This seems like a bad idea. Yeah. So they go into like the separate room to do that, like where the cords, where the core and the rods are. Um, and James talks about how Sinclair was his mentor and how he was great and smart. And I concur. Okay. So the rod won't stay up himself itself. So he grabs a wrench so he oh, he tur- he puts up the rod uh-huh. and he puts the wrench in down and he puts down the rod uh-huh. so that the rod is up the Level. amount that he wanted it to, but the wrench is also there, which is why it's up. Okay, so they're just trying to be really clear. Of course. Are they trying to fix it or are they trying to delay fixing it? Is this a genuine fix for this problem? I don't... I don't think so. I think they just needed more power and so it needed to be up and he was just going to leave it like that. Okay. For like a while, I think. Okay. So, yeah, he puts a thing under the rod so it stays up. This is important for later. And then they both start burning. She does first because she doesn't, because neither of them have night blood and she was never in space. Like the people, like Sky Crew always had extra radiation, like, uh, protection, protection because they had been in space for such a long time. So she starts burning first because she never had either of those because she was born here on Sanctum, I assume. But, and then he starts burning too, but he burns after because he was in space for a while. Okay. Okay. So what he accidentally did was up the radiation. Right. Gotcha. So James is up on a platform, but later we when we see their bodies, he's on the ground. So I guess he, he fell. He probably fell off the platform. Yeah. Okay. So that's the that's the main, like, that's the inciting incident for the entire episode. Okay. Sounds cool. Sounds like someone was watching Chern- Chernobyl when they wrote this. So in the palace, which was supposed to have burned down. <laughs> Murphy wait, 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 what? Yeah. The palace was supposed to have burned down in yeah, episode like, 701. It was... And- it was- fully engulfed in flames mm-hmm. when Clark was like, I'm gonna kill Russell! Yeah. Ah! Yeah, and now now it's not. Is this kind of like how Arcadia burned down, but then mysteriously they could still use Arcadia? I guess yeah. so. So Murphy and Amori are chilling. But like, not even like that, because when they could still use Arcadia, there were like, char marks on the walls. Right. Like, this is like still a deluxe, like, yeah. hotel suite. Uh, at the Sanctum Five Seasons, you know? So Murphy is scared that after they burn Russell, that they will be next. But Amori, for some reason, is not worried. And she tells him to come back to bed, and he does. But then Raven bursts in because she has no manners. Um, (laughs) That's funny. Also, why is Murphy afraid of that? Because they portrayed... Because everybody thinks that they're primes. Okay, and um, Amori is not worried about that for some reason? Yeah, she says, our people won't let that happen. And I'm like, have you met Clark? I was like, no, I think she means like Trey and like the believers and stuff. Oh, because I was like, listen, I respect the hell out of Clark. But if if that in any way achieves peace, she probably might let you burn. Who knows? No, she wouldn't. Would she? I don't know. know. Who's to say? Depends on if Maddie's in trouble. So yeah, Raven bursts in because she always does this. And me and Sam were talking about how at some point on the ring, she definitely bursted in and was like, I'm just gonna mind if I join, join, you know? Like, there's no way that that didn't happen at least once, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, didn't she also walk in on Monty and Harper? Yes. What a queen! So, the power's out, so she need Amori's help fixing it because James sucks. She's like, James isn't doing his heckin' job, and he's not, to be honest, because he died. Because he's dead. Yeah. I um, love that they remember that Raven and Amori can yeah. do things. So Murphy stays in bed while she goes, and that's relatable. Oh my god, tell yourself. So they enter Riker's shop and go down to the thing, and they can hear an alarm blaring. And they get down there, and they see that James and Cora are dead, and yikes. The core is, I like how her name is, like, they really named her Cora, and then they were like, also this thing is called the core, and this won't be confusing. So the core is the thing that needs to be cooled down, the coolant is not working, and the radiation is leaking. James must have pulled the rod up too high, too fast, the radiation spiked and killed them. Okay. The temperature is about 1300 degrees right now. If it gets to 1500, we're all dead. Okay. Okay. So Amori brings Clark, Murphy, and Indra to the shop to see Raven. Murphy looks great. He he got changed and he's in like some sort of suit thing. I'm like, thank you, Robin Wright. He walked in and I was like, oh, damn. Hello. Is he still trying to be a prime? Is that why he's dressed so well? I think so. Because Amori also has this really pretty, like, like, fancy, like, like, off the shoulder. Yeah, it's really cute. I love it. Honestly, I don't. Listen, I need logic for good parts of this show. Yeah. I don't need logic for this. If they look nice, I'm fine with yeah. it. Um, so at one point, Murphy clicks his tongue and pulls his mouth to the side. <laughs> you know, like, like this. Right? Oh, God. Right? But they get rid of the sound. And so it just looks like he has a twitchy mouth. Like, he fully just goes, and you don't hear anything. Like, mm. if you heard the thing, you'd be like, oh, okay, he's being like a little sassy little guy. Because, like, somebody, Raven or something, somebody says something to him and he, like, it fully would have made sense for him to be like, ah, well. Yeah, but instead they get rid of the sound so it looks like he has a twitchy mouth. Why are you doing this to my friend? It's literally like this one scene. This is horrible, but if anyone knows what I'm talking about, you're about to cringe. There's this one scene in Dumb and Dumber where a cop pulls them over and says, why are you drinking? And they're not drinking. They've been peeing in water bottles. So to prove that they've been drinking, he decides to drink the pee and he makes that exact face, which is... Oh. Uh, uh, uh. And that's all I can think of right now. Great, thanks. Thanks so much for that... Uh that addition. Yeah, you're welcome. So one of the rods is stuck too far up, so the coolant pipe burst in two places, which okay. is why the coolant isn't working. Okay. Okay? Raven acts like she doesn't know Indra, which is weird. Wait, what? <laughs> like, Indra says something, and Raven goes, I like you. And I'm like, don't you? Oh. So you've met. <laughs> I was like, I don't, okay, sure. Like, I don't know that they've, like, canonically, like, been in the same scene together, so, yeah. like, sure, but- Logically, during season three, they would have met. Yeah. Y'all cannot have two characters barely interacting for the first time in your final season. Yeah. You can't. But they're doing it over and over. Like, there are multiple characters that are just like, wow, nice to meet you, even though we've both been on this show since season one. So great. So they talk about how they need someone with night blood to do this dangerous thing and push down the rods. Hmm, Sounds like a job for Clark. Clark volunteers, and simultaneously Murphy also volunteers Clark. Like, literally the exact same time. (laughs) It's great. At the exact same time, Clark says, I'll do it, and Murphy says, she'll do it. It's Every so single time. Funny. Yeah. My favorite part is that you can even either interpret that as Murphy's self-preservation s- skills or him knowing Clark so well that he knows she would volunteer to do it. To Both. The way Both is good. Yeah, but the, the way Richard plays it is very much like, well, Clark's going to volunteer because Clark's going to Clark, so. Yeah, <laughs> Clark's, Clark's so be Clarkin'. It is, it is what I thought it would be. <laughs> Clark's be Clarkin'. Um, so Indra says that Clark can't do it because she's being the leader, so Murphy has to do it. So that's their that's their explanation as to why Clark isn't doing it. 
So this is supposed to be Murphy repenting for what he did? Yeah, so Imori says, or or Raven says that Imori's going to do most of it, but if she can't finish within the one minute time frame she has before she gets radiation poisoning, mm-hmm. then the next person needs to get in there and finish it. Okay. So that's kind of what Murphy's doing, is okay, that so he's just waiting and doing what Murph, what Imori cannot finish. Okay, so solid, solid technobabble logic yeah. so far. So Raven also needs four volunteers to help fix the cooling system. Okay. They'll get members of Wan crew to do it since they're lying to them to make them do what they want. What? So Indra's like, why should I let my people die for you? Thank you. And Raven says, they'll only be sick, so it's fine. Of radiation poisoning. Uh Uh-huh. And your most experienced doctor with that is dead. Right. Cool. So Clark says, let's get some of the criminals to help because they were minors. So they would have- ask for volunteers, you monsters? That's what they do. That's what they do. But it doesn't work. So they're like, let's ask some of the criminals to help because they were minors. Raven doesn't want criminals because she can't trust them. And I have really bad news about Murphy and Amori. I have really bad news about Raven. Who are the people who you want to do it. Like, everyone you know is a criminal, but okay. All of your friends are criminals. You're a criminal. So they all go to Wan Crew, and Indra tells Wan Crew that Maddie says so, so they need four volunteers. This is... Okay. So this one guy, who's the main guy who's going to talk for Wan Crew right now, his name is Knight. K-N-I-G-H-T. Knight. I don't... That... Okay. Says, hey... We haven't seen the commander in forever, so I'm not doing nothing. Show me the commander, bitch. Okay. So Indra says, all right, I'll go get Maddie. Okay. And Clark's like, whoa, whoa. Clark stops her. Maddie is no longer a part of this. And Indra's like, listen, we're all pulling our weight on this, and she's been through so much you can't treat her like a child anymore. We need her now. We need her. She like. Also, it's not that big a deal to be like, Maddie, can you, like, Say one thing. Well, the I think Clark's problem is that Maddie could tell these people what to do, and then they'll they could die, and then it would be mad on Maddie's shoulders that they died. Oh, okay, that's actually super fair. But like Indra's, like we're all doing so much. You treat her like a kid. Is she a kid? Yes, but she's been through a lot. That like I really feel like we could ask her to do this one thing, and Clark's like no. So. I, I really like this moment because they're all just like, and she says, what would you have us do? And I'm like, uh, of course. They, they, I don't know why that's happening. That's the um, same line twice. Okay. Clark's like, no. And I really like this moment. It felt like really realistic in the moment because I'm watching them have this conversation and then Knight, the guy who's supposed to be talking, comes up and is like, hey, what's the holdup, guys? And I'm like, they really are having this conversation in front yeah. of all the people. They really are. And I was like, I liked that moment where he's like, hey, um, what, like, what's, what's this hats? conversation? What's this itch? Why is this a problem? What's a 411? And so, um, Gaia makes the decision to tell Wan Crew that she destroyed the flame because of Shade Hedda. And Knight is like, yo, Shade Hedda was the best commander from Sangetta Crew. Frick you. And I'm like, didn't expect this. Okay, so at least now we know where Shade Hedda came from. <laughs> didn't expect that, that some people would be into Shade Hedda, but okay. Wait, okay, so I have a logistical question. Okay. Shade Hedda is Trig for the Dark Commander, right? Yeah. How did they know who Shade Hedda is supposed to b- refer to? I think maybe he, Legacy. Oh, for sure. Like he would. He, like they've told stories of Shade Hedda. For okay, sure. okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So guy is like, I'm the Flame Keeper, and I made the decision. And the guy's like, Hmm, looks like you destroyed the flame, so you're not Flame Keeper anymore. And guy is like, Guy has a point. <laughs> so guy is like, We had no commander in the bunker, and. You know, we were all, like, a one, one crew, so we can still be, like, together and everything. And uh, no one cares, so they leave with no volunteers. Can you really blame them? Not Absolutely not. They've been lied to, manipulated, and used as sheep for years. Yeah. 
I like I was surprised that people followed Octavia. Yeah, me too. But at this point, really cannot blame any of those people. Mm-hmm. So Raven leaves the palace and sees Nikki and Hatch and the other criminals. Nikki says they were put in front of the palace to mock them. And Hatch, for some reason, has faith that Clark will keep her word and find them something better. And Nikki says that that's naive. Hatch says that they will help build the compound and he and Nikki can live in the penthouse of the compound. And it's 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 quite cute. They're, they're clearly still very in love after hundreds and hundreds of years. Aww. Yeah, it's kind of wholesome. Yeah. Um, so then they start making out in front of everybody and Raven's like, hello. <laughs> so Raven approaches them asking if they will help with the coolant thing. And Hatch is like, wow, see, they respect us. And Nikki's like, they're, 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 they're using this, you. They're just using us. This is just servitude. This is not respect. And so they discuss, oh, they discuss how much everyone hated McCreary. Ah, <laughs> uh, yay! Um, they ask what is in it for them, and Raven says a hard nothing. Um, Hatch says that he'll do it as long as they can have all the Joe juice that they want. Raven's like, why does there need to be something in it for you? Can't you just, like, be a good person? And I'm like, Raven, you made trades and deals all the- Ugh, Okay, sure, whatever. And he's like, we will risk our lives, even though Raven says it's very, very safe, it's safe, it's safe, right? And they're like, we'll risk our lives as long as you'll give us Joe juice, which is alcoholic, right? Yes, so. Yeah, he's like, I just want booze. And it's, I'm like- It's like Ugh. saying, yeah, I'll help you move, just give me a pack of beer. Yeah, but like, a big, like- like, but the stakes are higher. But no, but it's like that kind of like nonchalant like swap where it's like, yeah, I'll help you just in return. Give me this. It's funny because later in like, as the episode goes on, for some reason, like the writing makes it seem like we forgot why they're doing it. And so like periodically through the episode, they're like, we're doing this for Joe Juice. The Joe Juice is coming. Joe Juice on me later. Like, I'm like, I get it. Okay. That's why they did it. Okay. 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 So the inherent problem with the logic of why are people just doing these things to be good people is that this show has told you the entire time that no one does anything to be a good person. Right. Maybe there are no good guys. Right. So what? (laughs) So I'm kind of confused why they're now being like, oh, well, why weren't you doing this from the goodness of your heart? Like, we're all criminals. (laughs) Writing in that manner when they know that all of these people. Okay. So Nikki says she's not going to help, but Hatch says he will help. Okay. So Hatch and Co. are getting ready to go inside the coolant room thing. Everyone knows what the plan is. He asks if the radiation in the room is clear and Raven says yes, which is a lie. Um, Why would she do that? Just to get them in there. Because she said, because if she says the radiation is not clear, they won't go in. Well, she's like, and they're running out of time. It's 100% safe, you guys. Just just do it. This is horrible. It's horrible. It is. And so she lies to them. And Louisa has this really fantastic moment of micro micro expressions in which she like looks at Raven and like knows she's lying, but then turns away because she, because she trusts that Raven is lying for the good of everybody. Right. It's, it's great. Like you, it's just her face. Like she just like has a look and like you read everything you need to know yeah. about what Amori is feeling mm-hmm. in that moment on Louise's face. It's and great. It's so good. Okay. Yeah, big fan. So everyone heads in to do their jobs. Uh, Murphy goes and asks Raven why she lied. And Raven says, it's totally fine and it's a really easy job and she could do it in her sleep. Well, then why she could do you? it. So Murphy asks, why don't you do that? Thank you. And she tells him to shut up and that his job is just to be Amori's moral anchor. Yep. What? Yep. Yeah. So Murphy and Amore start walking away and Murphy tells Amore that she better do it in under 60 seconds because he wasn't paying attention on what he's supposed to do. Okay, first of all, me. Yeah. Second of all, John Murphy is no one's moral anchor. He doesn't have any morals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He also tells Amore not to be a hero. And so you know Amore's probably going to go in there and be a hero. So she goes in and she starts with the rod that has the wrench stuck in it and she can't budge it. So she moves on to the other three, which she brings down pretty easily. Okay. But she's running out of time. 
So she should definitely just let Murphy do the last one. Yeah. But instead, she does it anyway. And I gotta say, in this moment watching the episode, I genuinely thought they were killing Amori here. Yeah. Amori was dying as a hero here. Okay. And, like, now I can't decide, like, if they end up killing her later this season in, like, a worse way, I'm gonna be really upset that they didn't kill her here. Because it would have been dying as a hero? Yeah. Like, if they kill her later, if they kill her, I hope they don't, but if they do kill her later in a worse way, I'm gonna be upset. (laughs) Okay. Yep. That's valid. So... She realizes that what she needs to do is she needs to put, push the rod up, then get the wrench out, and then bring it down. Okay. Rather than, like, trying to pull out the wrench while it's down, if okay. that makes sense. So she does that, and uh, she gets out, but totally after the 60 seconds, but probably not by much. Okay. Um, she needs to go into decontamination, which Murphy says removes 95% of radiation because he was secretly paying attention. Oh my god. Um, so the coolant pipes are not being fixed fast enough. And the guys inside need her to drop the pressure in the pipes, but she says that she can't, which could be a lie. I don't know. Who is this she? Raven? Raven. Okay. Yeah, Raven says she can't do it, which I don't know, which could be a lie. It it, kind of reads as she's lying. It plays like if she does that, something else bad happens, but she Mm -hmm. has to like sacrifice these people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so yeah, I think that like the temperature goes up higher if she brings down the pressure or something like that. And so she just doesn't want to do that. Even though if she did that, they would probably be able to patch it up faster and then everything would have been fine. Who's to Um, say? So Imori comes back from decontamination and Raven says that the temperature is still rising. Imori starts puking and so does Murphy, even though they both have night blood. It's like, I have no clue as to why Raven doesn't puke or look sick at all. Yeah, she doesn't look sick at all the entire like, Murphy time. Murphy doesn't go all the way in yeah. to the thing before he pukes. Yeah. Like, he goes in in a, in a few minutes, but he pukes before he goes in there. Like, yeah. is he just a sympathetic barfer? Like, I don't know. That's <laughs> my question. I was like, he didn't go in there, so is yeah. he just a sympathetic barfer? It didn't seem like it, but maybe. No, it seems like he's sick, but yeah. like... They don't, like, why isn't Raven? Okay. So Murphy tells Raven that she should get in there and help the guys and that he can do her job. Like, he can't get in there because he doesn't have the expertise. Okay. But Raven does. And so she should go in there and he can do Raven's job. She's just turning dials or whatever. Okay. And Raven says no. Yeah. What? So, yeah. And so. Who um, doesn't like Raven? I know. Raven, Raven is so hands-on that if she sees a job, she goes and fixes it her own damn self. So the dudes inside the room are starting to drop. And they're dying? They're like dying or like passing out or whatever. And Murphy says, we got to pull them out. And Hatch is like, what's going on here? And Raven just continues to like lie. And she just says like, it's fine. It's just like, you're feeling woozy or whatever. This is a, this is a normal thing that is supposed to happen to you. Just, keep, just working. keep working. Yeah. And so she tells Murphy that she's ba- they're basically all already dead. And if she tells them that they're dying, then they're not going to keep working. Uh, who is this and what have they done with Raven? Yeah. So Hatch says that they need more nitrogen inside of the room. And one of his patches are almost done, but they need the pressure down because, like, the one patch that he's almost done, like, keeps flying off because the pressure is too high. Because science. So they need the pressure down. And Raven still says she won't do it. She says, I can't, I can't. So Raven tells Murphy to go in and help. And at one point, Amori starts feeling sick and he goes to try and help Amori. And Raven says, we don't have time for that. Yep. Uh Huh? Yeah. So she tells him, Murphy, to go in. And so Murphy goes in to bring more hatch, more nitrogen. And Raven locks him in the room and tells him to be a cockroach and says if this is like you have to fix it or else you're gonna also die in there basically oh my god yeah so she's like he needs help because he's like the only one who's still conscious and he needs a second person so she says i can't trust these people to like help us but you'll do anything as long as you'll stay alive so i'll just put you in there and 
trust that you'll fix it. This is horrifying. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not friends with Raven anymore, and I'm deeply upset. So Murphy goes in and holds the nitrogen while Hatch continues to weld. He tells Murphy about his life with Nikki. He also has someone out there who loves him. So they're both going to work really hard so they both can get out of here. Yeah. Because they have people outside who love them. Well, only one of you is a series regular. Yeah. Um, and then she says that they were bank robbers. I got it right. Oh, my God. So Sam was right. They were bank robbers. And Mark Murphy's like, that's weird because the people on the ship were supposed to be like the worst of the worst, like cannibals and murderers and terrorists. And bank robbers seems kind of actually kind of cool. And Hatch says that they went too far one time and Nikki killed all the cops and then they had to execute the hostages so, so that there were no witnesses. And that's why they got sent on the thing. And um, Murphy, I'm really interested in talking to you guys about this. Murphy says that maybe Hatch is making up for it now by saving everybody doing this. And Hatch says that he will never make up for it. I love that. So it's, it's Murphy, I think that's it's very, Murphy looking for absolution and being told you'll never have it. Yeah. He says, maybe you'll do that. And he tries to tell Hatch that everything's going to be okay. And Hatch is like, I've made peace with the fact that I'm never going to make up for this. And it will always be something that I did in the back of my mind. So finally, a genuine moment in this episode yeah. where like, it actually says something about a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a great moment. I really like that. Me too. It was it was really well done and it was like good for both of the characters cuz Murphy is like has sort of been for the last like couple years like trying to atone for being a kind of shitty person. Yeah. And, and like, now of course with season 6, he was a super shitty person. I mean, I still have qualms about Murphy like waffling back and forth because i think that it made sense yeah <laughs> no it did make sense like murphy is survive above all others mm -hmm. but but like i'm also saying like a lot there of was, choices i think there was like growth there like more than i i feel like there was still consistent growth in that like he was trying to save his group of people mm -hmm. more than like just himself Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is like, it's a small circle because he's a Slytherin. Yeah. But he was still trying to save like the people that he cared about. And everyone was like, no, screw you. And I mean, you can really see that in the way he reacted to Abby dying. Yeah. But like, it was probably one of my favorite scenes in the episode was this really genuine moment between Murphy and this guy that he literally just met who, but he, who he has a lot in, to in common mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Um, so they finally fix it and the temperature starts going down, but Hatch has been in too long and dies. Why do we keep killing the most interesting characters? They, they gave us Nikki and Hatch in 701 and they were like, here's some new characters. And I was like, I don't care about them. Just give me the characters that I actually care about, please. And then they were like, how about we make them interesting? And I'm like, great, thank you. And then they're like, sorry. They're dead now. Yep. Well, one of them is at least. So, great. So later, they are laying the dead bodies down in Riker's shop, and Murphy says that Raven has fallen from her pedestal of being so high on morality, and now she's kind of like them. I think, she's, I think, wor I think she's worse than them right now, to be honest. And he's yeah. absolutely correct to, yeah. like, make that. Uh, that's that's state. the part that people were were being angry with Murphy about, and I was like, "Did you guys watch the rest of the episode? Like, she literally was sent horrible. people to her, their deaths for like that they shouldn't have had to die for." You're telling me that Murphy didn't deserve to say one thing that might be kind of mean after she almost killed him? Like, seriously? After he already threw up with, from radiation poisoning, and now she sticks him in more radiation is like, "Good luck, bud." This is just such. I really want to examine. And what you guys think of why they chose to do this. And my suspicion is that people have been saying for a couple seasons, both on and off the show, that Raven has yet to quote unquote get her hands dirty. 
in terms of being a leader that sends people to their deaths. Why would you want that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that was the argument for people saying, why is Raven so judgmental when she's never done, you know, a direct thing like that? Like she's never pulled a lever. Yeah. I think that my problem with that then is that they're like, okay, well, let's give Raven every moral quandary and every terrible bad thing that she could do in one episode so we can move on from this. And, exactly. that, and that just makes it worse and worse and worse. She's just lie after lie after lie. Every lie that she tells is her sending them to their deaths again. Just over and over and over again. It's like an entire season of Clark's development compacted down into one episode. And it's done in such a way where you're like, well, this clearly had an agenda. And the agenda was for Murphy to get to say that line at the end, which is, I guess, you're off your moral high horse. Yeah. And it's like, so you took the criticisms that we had, which is Raven's moral superiority is friggin' annoying and you decided to destroy her in the process so that murphy could get a little one-liner in there yeah it's just it's just not well done and i personally think raven like has already done bad things like the moral superiority already didn't make sense yeah that exactly. that was our problem is that is that she has done these bad things so she doesn't have the grounds to be all morally superior because you're just as bad as most of the other people who you're being mean to. Right. And so the fact that they're making her worse and worse and worse, it's like, I just, it's really upsetting. And so basically Nikki comes in and starts beating up Raven because Raven said it was safe. And then she killed the love of her life. And like Nikki and Hatch have been together for hundreds of years. They're clearly still in love. They did, they've done all of this together. Everything has always been together. They were married. They're like, like soulmates basically. Mm -hmm. And then one little thing happens in which this one random girl comes in, tells them that he did something safe and saves everything, but he dies. Why? She's like, why am I? She's, <laughs> she's like, I'm already the main character of my story. Did you hear? I'm a bank robber. I'm a murderer. I'm the main character. And some random minor character in my story is going to come and be the reason that my husband dies. It's valid. Interesting. What the hell is that about? I get it. And I do think this is also like a systematic problem within the hundred that they know that they can't kill female characters because all of us will go up in arms because they tend to kill female characters in super sexist ways or homophobic, take your pick, or racist, take your pick. Especially after they killed Abby and Lexa and it was like, the female characters you have to be really careful about killing. So what they do instead is they find the person that's most vulnerable, which is their male partners, and kill them, or their female partners, whatever, and kill them to torture that woman. Yeah. So the hundred, like, make no mistake, the theme of the hundred is how far can you push a woman before she snaps? And the fact that it's being done by a male showrunner makes all of it really insidious. Um, so I think like literally when you told me that one of them died in the episode, I, I, I was like, it's the husband because they always torture women and they especially torture women when they're in relationships to teach you never to love anyone because love is weak. And that's the theme of the show. Barf. Also, Hatch was so compelling. Yeah. Like, he that was, guy was great. Interesting. He was awesome. And it's disappointing that we don't get more scenes like that with Nikki now where she's calmly telling us her story and is compelling. Now she's just going to be an, a rage monster for the rest of the season. And it's like, but we've already seen that story about a hundred times. Yeah. Because that's the only one they're capable of telling. He died so unceremoniously. 
Like, she's like, that was the love of my life who I've spent hundreds and hundreds of years with. And now this random girl came in and ruined my life. So in the overall plot, my ranting aside, whether you agree or not, whatever, what do you think the purpose of this was for Nikki? To give her a reason to beat up Raven. Yeah, and to like, I don't know, give her a reason to be, because we had Hatch earlier this episode who was like, it's okay, I trust them, we'll be okay and everything. So now this is a reason for all of the criminals to be against us now. Okay. I think Raven turned all the criminals against us, basically. Yeah. Okay. I think now Nikki's going to go back and be like, these people killed Hatch and kill and d- don't care about our feelings or our, like they lied to us just so that our people could die. We hate them. And that's what it's going to be. So it's, I guess, the same thing, which is, once again, to make our heroes the enemy of the mob. Right. Yeah. So after everything that Raven did to him this episode, I would have been totally okay with Murphy being like, oh, you're getting beat up? Sawi! And like walking away. I would have been like, I get it. But guess what he does? He turns around and helps pull Nikki off of Raven. After everything... That, how is anybody mad at Murphy after this? I don't get it. I think I'm biased, but I still don't get it. I think because the optics are a little cringe, which of course is a white dude yelling at a woman of color for making a difficult decision. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Totally fine. He's not yelling. He doesn't. He just talks to her. He's just talking. He he's literally all he says. Calmly. He's uh, all he says is like, "You're one of us now." Basically, he's just he's mumbling. Basically, he's just saying. Oh, wow, how the mighty have fallen. That's it, bro. Like, he doesn't even say that, because, like, that sounds more mm-hmm. condescending. He just says, welcome to the world of Grey, which is, like, where he operates, basically. Yeah. And it's just, like, that's not... It's not yelling. Yeah. It's, like, now but you I know how we feel. I think that's what the criticism would be. Mm. But I think that's an unfair... I mean, going off of what I've seen on Twitter, of course, I think it's more of a pressing matter to examine the racism of how Raven is written and Mm -hmm. her complete sidelining in the show. Right. So it's like, you know, it's just issue on top of issue on top of issue at this point. But uh, I'm not going to go ahead and say that Murphy was wrong because from everything that I've heard and everything that I saw from Raven, I kind of wanted someone to look at her and say, hey, get off your high horse. Yeah. Um, But I really kind of thought that that had already happened. Yeah. Because once she lost Abby, that was supposed to be the lesson. Yeah. The lesson was... You can't think of yourself above others because what happens when you lose that person? Yeah. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that a more impactful story of Raven losing Abby than Raven having to have this weird science plot? I agree. Yeah. Like Raven didn't have to send someone to their death to understand that death has a cost. Or that like she has a responsibility. Especially because like she was so like, of course, again, justified in being upset with Abby, but it got to a point where... Like, it was just, like, the same note being hit over and over and over again. So it's like, yeah. I just wish they emotionally had explored Raven's grief more than they do this moral quandary, I guess. Yeah, like, I want more even... character work and less plot work. Yeah, and it's not even, like, I don't know. I, like, I would have been fine with all of this if it was Raven, like, coming at, I don't know. It's just, it's like Raven is, like, suddenly, oh my gosh, I've done one bad thing. I'm a terrible person. And it's like, do you... Did she lobotomize herself when she restarted her heart? I don't understand. So the last thing that happens um, in this storyline is just that Murphy and Amori try and help Raven up afterwards, but she pushes them away. Now it's time for our segments. My first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, which is our favorite line award. My favorite line award goes to Clark and Murphy for... My blood's not a guarantee, but it will help. Oh, God. What, like that was even a question? Cute. 
It was good. I think that my other favorite line word could have been, is that your medical opinion, if it had been delivered as a joke, but it wasn't. So. Oh, I didn't say this earlier in the plot, but like, I really expected more from uh, the scene where Clark buries the ring. Oh, yeah. It was disappointing. It was literally just like, blah, 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 I'm talking about my family. And the guy was like, I have things to talk about too. And it's like, okay, well, this is supposed to be about Abby, though. I just really thought that there would be like a moment of introspection for Clark and like her kind of looking inside and being like and mourning her mom and like having this like really like emotional moment and it's it's not that it's very one note and it's not not because of eliza um it's very like i'm sad i'll try to do better for you barry's ring barry's ring and then gaia is like hi i'm also here and i'm gonna bury all of the commanders so that abby and lexa are buried next to each other i guess yeah did anyone bother to bury kane who? He, yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's totally fair. Um, do you want to do your segment? Uh, my segment is, are Kane and Abby still dead? Yeah. My next segment is the most valuable protagonist award, and this week's MVP is Imori. Yay! I think we can all agree on that one. 100%. How many episodes since the last murder? Can you believe it that we made one episode without a murder? This episode, we almost got through it without a murder, but then they all kicked Tobin to death, so. Oh, brutal. Yeah. I mean, you could also probably qualify Hatch as a murder. I guess, yeah. Those guys could also be murdered, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, now it's time for our trailer reaction, and I know for a fact that something fun happens. Ooh, I, I have, have fun! I have a thought. Gay fun. I'm Maybe. Because I, queer, probably queer baiting. I, yeah. I, I want to be positive. Yeah. But sometimes things are so garbage that you can't be. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be honest with myself, it's probably queer baiting. Yeah. But I'm also going to be honest with myself in that I'm like, ooh, I ship it. Okay, but to be fair, if anyone was going to follow through on something other than Riverdale, which is a horrible thing to say, but on the CW, I feel like this show, if they showed you something kind of gay, they'd be like, yeah, it's kind of gay. Yeah. I will give them credit for that. I mean, they have several gay characters. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying they're not gonna, they're not gonna pull that trigger for me. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So, three, two, one, play. Tell me what's Oh, wrong. dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, more dark stuff. I can't see. Oh, I want Skyring! Mm-hmm. I'm just so interested in the anomaly plot and that's Yes. For a dollar, shoot in the daytime. No has to do this. Oh, look, daytime! That was it. That was the only daytime. Oh. Gay stuff. Did you see that gay stuff though? What gay stuff. Yeah, here I'll Where? show you. Okay, one, one, one by one. Okay, here we go. So here we are walking through. Who? I I don't know. I who's to say? <laughs> it that? looks like a water tower. Yeah. Okay, so now we have a bunch of the Bardo people coming in, including this bald guy. Um, Figure it out, bald. Baldo, Baldo. We were trying, yeah, Baldo instead it's of Bardo. It's after this guy. <laughs> so um, we figured, oh, maybe he's Anders. But then we were thinking he probably isn't Anders because he wouldn't, he seems like the actual leader. Like maybe he's the master that Orlando was talking about last episode. He probably wouldn't come himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he has a bunch of people with him. Uh, they have our friends, says Clark. Are they... So Echo, I guess. Oh, <laughs> Bellamy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, then Raven, who is sad about um, her beat up face. Then we've got Gaia, Nyla, Clark uh, holding a gun at, I assume, the Bardo people. They talk about the last war that mankind will ever wage. And okay. then they're like looking at the body of one of the Bardo people. Clark, I think. Um, and then they have a Wolverine claw come out of there. Gabriel looking at Echo. And then somebody running into the lake, I assume Dev or Orlando. Um, and somebody or like, like Baby Hope, maybe? Yeah, somebody's in no, it doesn't look like Baby oh, Hope. It's not a girl. Look, see? Like it's like that's oh, a man. yeah. And somebody in the lake, so I guess somebody else coming from Sanctum could be cool. I don't know. 
I, I don't want to make any guesses. Um, and then we've got like, who do you, do you guys think this is Russell right here? Russell? Yes. Right? I, that, that just looks like a smudge to me. Oh. Yeah, that's Russell. Probably, but also like, I don't know, it could be somebody on Bardo or yeah. whatever. Um, then we've got a bright light and the like, oh, there's our gay content. Woo! Okay, so these are, we've got, I don't know, this is like the... They look like jellyfish. I think they're the things that are like on the outside of Sanctum, like lost. I think that's those. Some people walking into the anomaly and then here's your gay content right there. Who are they? Hey, that's, that's Echo and Echo. Hope. They cut their hair because it's been five years. That's Echo and Hope? Yeah. Please enjoy these screenshots that Robin sent me last night where you can actually see the content. Yeah, there's two of them. Then we've got, I think, Orlando. Who's I this? I like to see it. Ew. Uh, whoever that is is clearly dead. I, I don't think so. There. I don't know who's... Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The, the, the flashes are so ridiculous that... Okay, these are uh, Orlando slash Dev fighting Octavia? Maybe? No, that doesn't make any sense. And then this is Gaia getting punched by a Bardo person. That's it. Okay, the flashes are so small that it's really hard to, like, <laughs> see what the heck is going on at any given time. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's just perpetually open. We'd love to hear things that you like about the podcast, things that you don't like about the podcast, or you can just leave us those little stars on Apple Podcasts. We would like that. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. We are... What season are we covering right now? Or did we finish? Or is over? We finished... I feel like... I don't know how many seasons of Riverdale there's been at this point. But, um... Brittany's... Just to be clear, Brittany's the one who says, we're gonna talk about episode four blank every single time. 100%. 100%. I'm an idiot. Um, we've covered four seasons, and then we're gonna be doing season five, and then season six, because it's been inexplicably renewed for both. Yay! <laughs> if you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We've done the first two seasons. It is spoiler-free and until a spoiler section at the end, so if you're watching in quarantine for the first time, you can. It's our longest podcast, and we talk... We can't really theorize too much just because we do know what happens, but... The type of conversation that we have about, like, character and motivations and morality and, oh, it's the best. I love it so much. It's the tea. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We have covered all of season one. We're currently halfway through season two. Yay! 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 Um, and those podcasts come out every six weeks. Uh, go check it out. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we love to talk about that show too, like just TVH. Um, we have a Picard podcast out that covered all of season one of Star Trek Picard, which I highly recommend watching if you want to watch something just real good. Some good hopeful sci-fi. Yeah. You know? Um, and then we're going to do other Star Trek stuff, but who's to say on what it is? You can follow at The Autos on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but I do post uh, gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, so please support me. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Autos. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. And if you contribute $5 or more a month, you get 10% off at shopdeluxe.com, which is our website. If you can't help us out on Patreon monthly, maybe check out choppylux.com anyway, and that's another thing that you can do to help us monetarily, and also you get something really cool out of it. But if you can't help us at all, just tell a friend. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S, and uh, that's pretty great. Yeah. The next episode is episode 704. It's called either Hesperides is how it's spelled. But since it's Greek, I assume it's Hesperides or Hesperides or something like that. Um, But in Greek mythology, the Hesperides are nymphs of evening and golden light of sunsets 
who were the daughters of the evening or the nymphs of the west, and they were also called the Atlantides from their reputed father, the Titan Atlas. I think so, it's Hesperides. What did I say? Hesperides. Oh, okay. Well, either way, sure. Insert Hermione here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's uh. Let's. Who wants to make guesses on who that's referring to? I don't know. You tell me. I'm gonna go for Hope and Echo. Just okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna lean in. Daughters like of it. the evening, nymphs of the west. Yeah. Honestly, Shelby looks like a nymph, and that works for me. She's so like petite. Yeah. She, she's very sprightly. Yes. Yeah. Sprightly. That's cute. <laughs> okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.